This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 19, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Senators Joseph Lieberman and Scott Brown believe that U.S. citizens, once designated as terrorists by some persons or committees other than the U.S. civilian court, that U.S. citizen should be stripped of citizenship and then tried for those alleged crimes in military courts, where lower standards of evidence apply. David Ritgers, legal policy analyst at the Cato Institute, weighs in. In the wake of the failed Times Square bombing, Senators Joe Lieberman and Scott Brown proposed the Terrorist Expatriation Act, which purports to revoke the citizenship to expatriate those suspected of committing material support of terrorism when it is provided to uh, organizations on the State Department's foreign terrorist organization list. What are the current provisions for uh, reasons why one might lose his or her citizenship? Well, there are existing provisions for expatriation. Uh, there's two categories of actions that, uh, that can trigger expatriation. Uh, the first is swearing allegiance to another country in one form or another, and that's an administrative uh, hearing where the government would prove by a preponderance of the evidence, which is about 51% sure is really what that means, uh, that you have either sworn allegiance in an oath to another country or that you have uh, signed up in the armed forces of another country or in some other affirmative act uh, intended to renounce your association with the United States, your citizenship, and join this other country. The other category of acts that can result in your expatriation are very serious crimes against our national security, to include treason, levying war against the United States, fomenting an insurrection, seditious conspiracy, very serious criminal offenses. However, with those criminal offenses, there is the added requirement, uh, not that you be proven to have committed these acts by a preponderance of the evidence, but you, you could be convicted of these crimes, either in a court-martial or some other court of competent jurisdiction. And of course, that carries with it the, the burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. The only reason, then, for applying a preponderance of evidence standard for your expatriation is you taking a particular action or making a particular statement that makes clear your intentions with regard to the United States. Yes, and this is traditionally done in the context of having another country being at issue where you've left this country, you've joined another country's army, say, uh, and, and so you're renouncing your citizenship in that manner. What are the benefits uh, that Lieberman and Brown see to the justice system, to U.S. security of what they want to do? Well, advocates of the Terrorist Expatriation Act have a couple of benefits that they perceive. The first is that uh, citizens who are accused of supporting uh, uh, terrorism, committing uh, material support of terrorism, could be expatriated and then would be subject to prosecution in the military commission system. So really this, this is not, uh, as some might put it, merely updating expatriation law for the 21st century. Uh, this is a jurisdiction hook for certain people. It's a jurisdiction-creating proposal. So you would shuttle these people out of the civilian criminal court system and you would put them into the military commissions. Uh, because as they stand now, and historically, citizens cannot be tried by a military commission. Uh, so, so this somewhat inventive workaround is to revoke their citizenship. This speeds the plow then for taking people who might otherwise have to go through a costly, expensive, burdensome uh, legal process in U.S. civilian courts and moves them into something that can be 
dealt with a lot more quickly? Well, I wouldn't characterize the commissions as any less expensive or moving any faster, and history has not shown that to be the case. But it really is, at its core, an attempt to reduce the civil liberties of anyone who is accused uh, of supporting terrorism. Whereas with very, very serious crimes, above and beyond material support of terrorism, which could be something as simple as making a checkout to one of these terrorist organizations or even providing humanitarian assistance in an area controlled by one of these State Department-designated organizations, uh, that's a trigger for revoking your citizenship. Whereas if it's a very clearly serious crime, such as treason or levying war against the United States or trying to overthrow the government by violence, well, we have to convict you in court for that. So there's an odd split that this proposal would create in in the penalties uh, uh, for the serious crimes versus creating jurisdiction in the military commissions for those accused of material support of certain terrorist organizations. There are a lot of conservatives who have no problem with this line of thinking, and uh, in conversations that I have with folks who, who call themselves conservatives and, and think that this is okay, they leap beyond the point at which the designation terrorist occurs. They believe we are already talking about a known terrorist rather than someone who has been accused of terrorism. And I think that's a knee-jerk reaction uh, that anyone accused of terrorism because because of the the psychic trauma of September 11th, 2001, we leap to the conclusion that anyone accused of, uh, of terrorism is a terrorist. And, and therefore, we can go ahead and, and loosen the burdens on the government and, uh, and reduce their civil liberties because of what, what they perceive as, as the most serious offense that you could commit. But we've seen... Uh, with several cases, several high-profile cases, uh, uh, the scientist accused of the anthrax uh, mailings right after September 11th, 2001, turned out not to be the perpetrator of that. Uh, and so applied to him, this would have revoked his citizenship and he would have ostensibly been shipped off to uh, Guantanamo for prosecution of the military commission system. And we also take a look at the case of uh, Brandon Mayfield, who was a lawyer out in Oregon, who had served in the army, had later converted to Islam. Uh, he was a, a criminal defense attorney, and the FBI wrongly associated his uh, fingerprints with fingerprints left uh, at the scene of the Madrid-Spain commuter train bombings. Uh, and so they accused him of that crime, even though there was no explanation as to how his fingerprints would have gotten from Oregon halfway around the world. It turned out the fingerprint belonged to uh, a, a terrorist from North Africa. Uh, but there's that didn't come out right away. And the downside of this bill is that it would have already revoked his citizenship, uh, presumably before the revelation of his innocence came to light. And so with this bill, you have the prospect of a natural-born non-citizen. So someone is born here, lives here their whole life, they get their citizenship revoked. And in that way, it's very, very different from the traditional context of how these things have been litigated. You have a whole raft of cases uh, from the early 50s where you had uh, persons who had uh, uh, dual citizenship or, or had some kind of uh, uh, affinity with Italy or Japan had, you know, were from, from Italy, Japan, their parents were, and they went to those countries. They got rounded up and drafted during World War II and, and courts would litigate. Uh, did you 
forswear your allegiance to the United States. And so they would litigate the facts of it. Well, you know, was this person uh, conscripted and compelled? Uh, well, some of them might have uh, tried to uh, feign sickness and not be at the swearing-in ceremony, whereas if they had actively uh, worked in the army, taken a position in leadership uh, as an officer, well, then certainly they've, they've done something that, that warrants their revocation of their citizenship. Uh, but this bill would, uh, would allow for the expatriation of persons suspected of a crime, where in any other criminal context, we would require conviction. Constitutionally, it seems particularly troubling that one would lose uh, their right to all of the guarantees of the U.S. Constitution just by being designated without trial to fall under this particular category. Right. And the Supreme Court has said in a couple of cases uh, that the government does not have the power to expatriate citizens at whim, uh, that there must be this affirmative act, uh, and that uh, if they signed away their, their citizenship not knowing what it was they were signing in some foreign country or if there was pressure to make them do that, then, then that does not meet the burden. And so, uh, and, and actually Congress took that afterwards and incorporated it in the statute. Uh, so really this can be seen as, as a publicity stunt. Uh, even if they, they wanted to push this expatriation angle, the courts would, would largely block these efforts and they, and they would say, you simply haven't met the burden for expatriating a citizen. But that's the problem with this legislation is that creating an overbroad law and then intending to abuse it to, to fling around prosecutions uh, or expatriations and subsequent prosecutions and military commissions, if that is your intent, uh, even if it's blocked by the courts and reined in, that's a terrible way to legislate. David Ritgers is a legal policy analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.